0: Hello students, today I am going to deal with another chapter and this is called Indigo and this was written by Louis Fisher. Now Louis Fisher has been known to have written the best biography of Mahatma Gandhi. In fact his biography was converted into the movie Gandhi which became famous all over the world. To understand this lesson I will take you back in time to the late 1900s. Just after the mutiny had taken place in 1857, the British demanded that the Indian farmers must grow 15% of their land with indigo and they would take the whole crop as revenue. Now indigo per se is a very very effort centric uh, plant. To take out the dye, a lot of manas are required. Moreover, when you grow indigo on land, Now that land becomes useless after one crop. The British demanded that 15% of the land should be grown with indigo. That means that within a span of 6-7 years, the whole land would become useless. People did not want to grow it, but they had no choice because that was taken as revenue from them. After a while, people started protesting against this, uh, this system. Of making them grow indigo as revenue. Initially they tried to reason with the British and their landlords that they couldn't grow this crop on their land but nobody was ready to listen to them. In fact the landlords they employed lati chargers, they employed the musclemen who would make sure that these people grew indigo. Later people started protesting and there were so many protests that the British were scared that there would be another mutiny. So they decided to call off this contract. Now in those days there was hardly any communication and India was divided into many many provinces. So what was happening in southern India most of the people in northern India did not know about it. Now once the uh, the growing of indigo was stopped in Tamil Nadu This whole thing was shifted to the Tarai regions in the Himalayan foothills. Now this is the area of erstwhile Bihar. This was the foothills and it is a swampy kind of area. So it was ideal for growing indigo. And people did not know what had taken place in southern part of India. So once they were asked to grow indigo, they readily accepted the people in Europe realized that this uh, crop was very very expensive so in Germany after some time they they made synthetic indigo out of a plant called wade. now obviously since it was synthetic it was much lesser in cost so the demand for indigo dye it fell in the European countries at that time the British did not know what to do with indigo anymore. Now, they took out a contract again and they told these farmers that, okay, if you do not want to grow indigo, you can pay a certain amount of money and get released from the contract. The people in Champaran area, in Bihar area, they did not know what they were up to because they did not know that weed had been discovered. So, those farmers who had the money They paid the money and they got released from the contract. Now, after a while, they came to know that they had been fleeced. The British had released them from the contract because they did not require the Indigo. At that time, these farmers who had paid up the money and got themselves released, they started protesting and demanding their money back. Now, this is where our chapter starts. There was a person by the name of Rajkumar Shukla and he decided to look for somebody who could help him to get his money back. He had approached a number of nationalist leaders during those times but nothing had worked out. So somebody told him, okay, go to Lucknow. There was a national convention taking place there and he would meet a number of nationalist leaders there. So Rajkumar Shukla, he went to Lucknow and there he asked the people whom should he meet. So at that time somebody told him, okay, go meet Gandhi. Now Gandhi ji was not yet famous in the masses at that time. The higher-ups they knew about him because he had come from South Africa and he was connected to the nationalist movement there. So, the Viceroy, the higher-ups, the people in the government, they knew him. Rajkumar Shukla kept on waiting for him and when Gandhi came out, he tried to speak to him. So, he was told that Gandhi had to go to Kanpur and to various other cities. Now, Rajkumar Shukla, to his credit, he kept on following Gandhi wherever he went. He went to Kanpur, he went to various other cities, then he went to his ashram near Ahmedabad. Now, once Gandhi saw him that uh, he had reached Ahmedabad, Gandhi decided to talk to him. And that is when he came to know what was going on in Champaran. So, he told Rajkumar Shukla to meet him on a certain date in Calcutta, because he had to go there for a conference. Sure enough, Rajkumar Shukla returned home, and on the said date, Gandhi found him sitting on his haunches outside the... Uh, conference hall. Now, from there, both of them they went to Patna. In Patna, they stayed in the house of Dr. Rajendra Prasad, who was a lawyer. Now, he later on became the president of India. Dr. Rajendra Prasad was not at home, and Rajkumar Shukla had been going there off and on to uh, to get his grievances addressed by Dr. Rajendra Prasad. So, th- all the people who used to work in Rajendra Prasad's house, they knew Rajkumar Shukla. Now, they saw another man who was clad in a dhoti and who did not look to be a very affluent personality. So, they asked him also to stay in the outhouse in Dr. Rajendra Prasad's house. Now, Gandhi was not allowed to touch the well because those people, they did not know whether this man was an untouchable. If he touched the well, well, the whole water would get polluted. Of course, he was given the due respect once Dr. Rajendra Prasad came back. From there, Gandhi decided to go to Muzaffarpur. Now, in Muzaffarpur, there were two people whom he had to meet. One was Professor J.B. Kriplani and another was professor malkani now professor jb kriplani he came to the station in the middle of the night along with a body of uh, students to welcome gandhi and then gandhi went on to professor malkani's house who was a teacher in a government school now in those days this was considered extraordinary the writer says it was an extraordinary thing in those days. Now the question can be, what, can, what was so extraordinary about it? In those days, anybody who was seen trying to uh, you know, support the home rule was considered to be a traitor. And for, for Professor Kriplani and Professor Malkani to host Gandhi there, they were risking their own jobs. They were both government school uh, teachers and a college teacher. They, now Gandhi stayed there for some time and this news spread that somebody had come to help them out of their situation. number of people, they started coming to see who was this man who had come to fight for the people of Champaran. While he was there, Gandhi decided to meet the lawyers there. Gandhi himself was a lawyer. So when the lawyers came to meet him, he asked them, he said, what do you do here? So most of the lawyers, they said that, they, yes, they were charging a hefty free for from the farmers. Secondly, they were saying that, okay, we do take on the cases, but the, the chances to win these cases is hugely minimal. At that time, Gandhi chided the lawyers. Now this question comes, why did Gandhi chide the lawyers? You know, if you, if you look at your own self, well, if when you have a cold or when you have fever, the first thing your mother does is that she gives you a cold and or perhaps a paracetamol and they wait for the fever to subside. It is only when things start getting out of control that we go to a specialist. Now Gandhi compared the situation of the farmers going to a lawyer, uh, to a specialist. He says they come to you only when they have no other means left. And if you are not able to rid them of the fear of losing, what is the point of them coming to you? So he said that all the courts should, uh, should be closed because there was no use of these lawyers who could not guarantee win who could not release them from the fear. Now in Champaran district most of the land it had been you know taken over by the Englishmen and they had landlords uh, Indian landlords who would then further lease it to the farmers. Gandhi then went on to Champaran and first thing that he did was that he visited the secretary of British Landlords Association. The secretary was not ready to listen to him and he told him that he could not give any information to an outsider. Then Gandhi decided to call on the British official commissioner of Tirhut division in which Champaran district lay. But the commissioner also told him to leave. Now Gandhi did not leave. He went on to Motihari, which was the capital of Champaran. Several lawyers accompanied him and he set up his base there. At the railway station, a huge group of people, they came to welcome Gandhi. He went to a house and that house he used as his headquarters. Now one day he learned that in the nearby village, one man was beaten up. So, he decided to go and pay him a visit. He sat on an elephant back and he was being taken through the jungles, it's a hugely forested area. Nowadays, when you hear of, you know, most of these Maoist attacks happening, that is the area where they happen. Now, since there were no vehicles in those days, Gandhi travelled on an elephant. And there were other people who were carrying drums and they were beating the drums and they were—they had bugles, basically to keep the wild elephants and the wild animals at bay. Police got to know that he was travelling to the neighbouring village. So they sent a notice to him, an official notice, to go back to Champaran immediately. But Gandhi signed on that and he wrote that he was going to disobey the uh, notice that was being sent to him. Now obviously since he had disobeyed the notice, he was summoned to appear on the court the next day. Now whole night Gandhi remained awake. Now why was he awake? Because he was now worried as to what would happen to him. He did three things early next morning. First thing that he did was, that he wrote to Dr. Rajendra Prasad to come with a battery of lawyers so that uh, they could fight his case, uh, case in court. Second thing that he did was that he wrote to the viceroy about what was happening here. And the third thing he did was that he wrote to his ashram, you know, in those days, he not written, they wouldn't have known where he was. And he could have languished in jail for days together. In the morning, the whole crowd of Motihari. It was waiting outside Gandhi's room. They all followed him to the magistrate's office. Now when the magistrate saw such a huge crowd coming towards it, he decided to delay the things. But he told Gandhi that if he was going to delay giving the summons uh, for two hours, well Gandhi had to pay a bail for it. Gandhi said, I am here. Why should I pay the bail? If you want to arrest me, arrest me. But the magistrate did not arrest him at that time, fearing that there would be a revolt. Now this continued, Now magistrate kept on waiting for the crowd to melt away, but the crowd just kept on growing. So he said, okay, don't pay the bail money, but at least handle the crowd tell them not to get violent, so Gandhi controlled the crowd. So the hearing was deferred for the next day, and then for two days, then for a week, then for two, three, two months, and finally the hearing was called off. Now for the first time, the civil disobedience movement had taken place. The people had not turned violent, Yet, they had achieved their goal. Now, while all this was going on, Rajendra Prasad reached with a battery of lawyers and Gandhi asked the lawyers, he says, what are you going to do if I am arrested? So, the lawyers told him, what can we do if you are arrested? We will go back home. Once you are arrested, then we can't do much about it. Now, after they had gone back to their rooms, some of them sat down and they started talking and they started discussing that somebody from outside is ready to come and fight for their people. You know, they had been charging these farmers exorbitantly for so many years. Gandhi had come there to fight for those people. So, they all decided that it was a shame if they couldn't stand up for Gandhi. So next morning they came to him and they told him that in case you are arrested then we will follow you to jail. At that time Gandhi exclaimed, the battle of Champaran is won. Very often you get this question, when did Gandhi exclaim that the battle of Champaran is won? It was not when he got the money for the farmers. It was not when he won the case. But it was when the lawyers came and they supported him and they told him that they would follow him to jail. Now once this was over, he realized that, you know, the civil disobedience had won. Gandhi decided to go a step further. He collected signatures of all those farmers who were affected by this decision of British, To take money from them to release them from the contract. Once those signatures were taken, he went to the Lieutenant Governor and he demanded that his grievances be addressed. So the Governor, he uh, set up a commission and in that commission there were landlords, there were government officials but the only person who was representing all the farmers was Gandhi. Now, initially, you know, the hearing took place. What was happening? How did it happen? So, Gandhi, when he put forth his uh, case, the governor, the commission, everybody agreed that injustice had been done. Now, what what could they do to sort out this problem? So, Gandhi asked for 50% of whatever money was that was given by the farmers. He knew that they would never pay 100 percent. So the commission it told all the landlords that okay 50 percent money will be paid. Now the landlords got into a huddle and they asked for timeout and they uh, they said that they were unable to pay 50 percent. They would pay only 25. Now they thought if they gave 25 percent only Well, the farmers would think that they were just wasting their time. This man has been fighting from the side. He's hardly got them any money. But Gandhi turned the tables on them. He convinced the farmers that 25% was good enough. Now, this is another question that is asked. Why did he agree for 25%? There were two reasons here. He told the farmers that... Money was not important. It was not important because, you know, till now Britishers had never paid anything. If they were getting 25%, that was a bonus. Secondly, he said that for the first time since the British had come into India, the landlords had to part with with their prestige. They had lost a case for the first time. Now this case, it took almost a year of Gandhi's life. He had come here thinking that he would come for a week probably and he would finish off his business here and he would go back. But he stayed on for a year. The farmers were happy, the the case was settled, everything happened. But Gandhi being Gandhi, he couldn't have left that place in shambles. Over that time, he realized that socially, economically, Champaran was at its worst state. So, he decided to improve the surroundings. He called people from his ashram. Kasturbai was called to help with the hygiene and sanitation. He called his sons to work in the area. Then there were some teachers, Mahadev Desai and Narhari Parekh, who volunteered to work here. Several more came from Bombay, Pune and nearing places. Primary schools were opened in six villages. Then Kasturbai she taught people how to live in a sanitized and in a hygienic manner. She taught them about personal cleanliness and she also taught them about community sanitation. He realized that the people were filthy he noticed one woman wearing a sari over and over again which was very very dirty and he asked Kasturba to take cognizance now when Kasturba asked her to wear something else she took her she took Kasturbai into her hut and she told her that that was the only sari she had they were so poor a doctor was Uh, called there and this doctor stayed on for six months now he used to keep three things with him one was a sulfur ointment for any skin rashes you know those are the most prevalent problems that are there in forested areas so any skin rashes were treated with a sulfur ointment in case there was anybody who had a tummy problem which leads to so many other problems. He was given castor oil. And in case of malaria, the doctor used to prescribe quinine, which which is given even today. During his long stay in Champaran, Gandhi kept on checking out with his ashram too. It was his habit. You know, he could never leave a place and then forget about it. He would go back keep on checking with them whether things were moving in the right direction or not whether they had any problems now the writer says this was the turning point in Gandhi's life now why was it a turning point till now he was known only in the higher circles but now he became a leader of the masses Everybody knew him as a selfless person who worked for the betterment of the society. Nobody had understood his importance till now. Now he came to Champaran. It was not an act of defiance that he came in. He did not come here to defy the British. He just came here to relieve the people of their... Distress and this was a typical, typical Gandhian trait. His politics was not just dealing with the problems, the political problems. His politics also dealt with the social problems, and he used to take a larger picture of complete development, and that is what he did here. That is why the writer says his was not a loyalty to abstractions. Abstractions mean just one odd point. But his was a loyalty to living and human beings. Now, whatever Gandhi did, he had a reason behind it. You know, he taught the people self-reliance. There was a man called Charles Freer Andrews. And he was a British national who was working there. He saw Gandhi working with these people. And he came to Gandhi one day and he told him, that, see, I have been posted to Fiji Islands, but I am ready to give up my job if you will let me work with your people. Now, the people, of course, were very happy. They thought that if a Britisher would fight their case, well, they would obviously win it. But Gandhi refused. He told those people, he says, even if you win it on your own steam, you will give the credit to Mr. Andrews. Let's fight it out on our own and realize that yes, we can win it on our own steam. This was the first lesson of self-reliance that he gave. Rajin Prasad says, he read our minds correctly and that was the typical Gandhian trait. Another question that is asked is, what was the conflict of duties that Gandhi spoke about? You remember the incident I told you about how he was taken to the court and people followed him and you know he was uh, afraid of being arrested at that time, he wrote to everybody. He pleaded guilty and he read out his statement. Now he said at that time that he did not want to get into the conflict of duties. Now what was the conflict of duties? Well on one hand he said I am a law maker, I understand the law, he was a lawyer and he did not want to be seen as breaking the law. The other thing he said was that he wanted to listen to the voice of his conscience and his conscience was telling him that he needed to go to the neighbouring village to see what had happened to that boy. That is why he had decided not to follow the legal notice. And that was a typical Gandhi. Thank you.